Hey, my friends, and welcome back to Calling Over Comfort. I'm your host, Francine Ivy. Calling Over Comfort is a place for Christian entrepreneurs, coaches, and influencers. Each time you come here, you will be encouraged, empowered, and challenged to believe who God created you to be and what he has called you to do. Friend, I believe in you. Today, we will be talking about multiplication. Yes, multiplication, but let me promise you, there'll be no math here. (laughs) Are you ready to multiply your gift, your calling, your business, your influence, your platform? If you are, then stay tuned. Multiplication, exponential growth. It's literally, exponential growth is multiplying on itself. In the dictionary, it's verbalized as a power. Like five to the third power is five times five times five equals 125. Nowadays, we are hearing all the time about things like manifesting, speaking things into being. Can I tell you that there's a better way, a biblical way to grow and multiply All the gurus are tagging things like 10 times your income or 100 times your impact. But that's really nothing new to God. As children of God, it is actually expected of us. The parable of the talents tells us that we are expected to take our talents, our callings, our giftings, and not bury them, but multiply them. Multiply them back to the kingdom. But how do we do that? Let's look at Mark chapter 6, and we're going to begin with verse 30. Jesus is giving us an example of real multiplication. It starts like this. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourself to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitudes saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived there before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them. Isn't that good? Jesus is so, I just love him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and village and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered them and said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out that they had five loaves and two fish, and we learn from a, another set of scripture that a little boy's lunch, it was just a little boy's lunch. They went and found it, and this is all they had. Now, understand, there's 
5,000. It later says there's 5,000 men there, and they weren't the only ones there. They had families. So there could be up to a couple of thousand people there. 4,000. And then actually five, ten. There could have been up to 10,000 people there. So let's see what happens. Then Jesus commanded them to make all of the crowd begin to sit down in groups in the green grass. So they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before them and the two fish he also divided among them. So get the picture. Jesus takes the five loaves. He takes the two fish. He blesses them and then literally divides two fish and five loaves amongst the disciples and says, now go feed them. Can you imagine how the disciples felt as they turned around with maybe a fish tail in one hand and a piece of bread in the other hand? And Jesus said, go feed 5,000 men and their families. What? But they did it. And as they began to divide it among them all, all of a sudden they realized that they all ate and were filled. Can you imagine the miracle that was literally happening in their hands as the fish and the loaves began to multiply as they passed it out and it just didn't run out? And then I love this next verse. It's verse 43. And then at the end, they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the loaves and the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Did you get the picture? Here are 5,000 men, their wives, their children, could have been up to 5, 10, 20,000 people there. We don't even know, okay? But we know there were 5,000 men there in, in the story. Jesus says, disciples, go feed them. What? They say, we don't have anything. But they finally find a little lunch, and this little boy is willing to give it. And so they take it to Jesus, and Jesus says, okay. And so he takes the five loaves and the two fish, and he blesses it, and he hands back pieces of five loaves and two fish back to the disciples who know that they are turning around to hungry people who are expecting to be fed because they were told to sit in circles, in groups, because they were about to be fed. Can you imagine how Peter felt holding that fishtail and holding that crumb of bread and thinking, what am I going to do with this? Have you ever had a time in your life you felt the same way where God's calling seemed far bigger than the talents and gifts that you actually carry? Well, not uncommon in the kingdom, can I tell you? But it is in the next step that they begin to see the multiplication because what they do, they just started giving it out. And all of a sudden, the miracle started to show itself as within their hands, it began to multiply. And the story ends with not only everybody being fed, but oh my goodness, there's leftovers of 12 baskets. So what is this story teaching us about multiplication? How God wants us to multiply our gifts, our talent, our impact. Number one, you're going to use what you already have. You're going to use what you already have. 
sister, brother that's listening to me right now? What do you already have? Quit waiting on the next thing. Quit waiting on if I could just have this, if I could just do this, if I maybe one day when you don't have a promise of one day, it's time to use what you have, no matter how inadequate you think it is. How do you think the disciples felt with a fish tail and a crumb of bread and 5,000 hungry men? You will use what you have, I promise you. Now, your next step is to take it to Jesus. Don't do it in your own power. Don't think you have this. Take it to Jesus in prayer. Take it to him and said, all right, God, I'm going to give you my gifts. I'm going to give you my talents. I give it to you. He will bless it if you do it. Take it to him. Let him bless it. Then he's going to hand it back to you. Now, here's your next faith step. You got to give it. You've got to turn around to those you are supposed to give your gifts and your talent and your impact to, and you've got to start giving it. Can you imagine how scary? But God, but God, and in the midst of you giving what you do not have, but it's blessed by him because you gave it by, gave it to him, You will not only, I promise you, because the word is yes and amen. Amen? I promise you, he is going to multiply it. But it will not multiply being held tightly in your hands. It will only multiply if you begin to give. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'm praying right now for you in my spirit that the Lord will begin to show you what that looks like. Now, I'm going to tell you my story. Some of you have heard it. Some of you have not But I'm going to tell you, those of you who've heard it, you might not have heard it in light of what I'm explaining right now. So take a moment to listen. 2017 was rolling around. Oh my goodness. Every new year always showed, we were always as a family expectant of the new year. As a matter of fact, my husband used to say all the time as the new year approached, do you know what God has in store for me next year? And people would go, I don't know. And he would say, I don't know, but I'm so excited to find out. Well, that's the kind of expectation that was going into 2017. Everything was going great. I had an incredible marriage with an amazing guy who I was more in love with that day than the day I actually married him. He would literally grab my hand to hold it. And just like a middle school little girl, I would giggle every time. His blue eyes I could stare into all day long. We worked together all the time. We had three children. They were all serving Jesus. It was an incredible morning. He preached the the most incredible message on January 8th, 2017. It was a Sunday, and he had preached an incredible message. Our business was going great. Our ministry was going great. We were on top of the world. As a matter of fact, so much so that my husband said, do you know what today is in the middle of lunch? And I said, what? And he said, it's the day of the Ivies. And I was like, what? What do you mean it's the day of the Ivies? And he said, well, he said, I felt like I nailed the message this morning. It was so good. He had preached on calling. Um, he had preached on being consumed by the call of God on your life. Um, my son came down. He was the first one to come down. He was 11 years old, came down and said, I want to give it all to Jesus, all my gifts, all my talents. I want to serve Jesus. 
Um, my oldest daughter was um, studying Bible and had just turned or about to turn 21 and was on a cruise with her best friend. And um, Peyton had sung a mini concert, a worship conference uh, concert that morning. And I had led in a word during worship that was very, very powerful. It was just a really good morning with our church family at Inspired Church there in Hurley, Mississippi. And he said, it was just such a good morning. It's just the day of the Ivies. And we finished lunch and I went into a... Um, um, a work meeting that was on uh, on a call, like on a conference call. He said, "Hey, I'm going to fix your coffee, and is I'm going to run to the store. I'll fix your coffee, and we'll sit down and we'll plan the week, which we always would do on Sunday evening as we began the next week. We would plan." I came out of that office, and he wasn't home yet. And the store that he was running to was just around the corner. So I didn't really understand why he wasn't home. I went to the kids and I said, hey, where's daddy? And they said, he hasn't come home yet. Already there in that moment, something happened in my gut that let me know something was up. So I grabbed my keys. I grabbed my purse. I jumped in the car. And as I rounded the corner, I saw the fire trucks and I saw the paramedics and the red lights. I was praying with everything that I had that he that there was an accident and that he was there helping but something in me told me something had happened. It wasn't too long till the police officers came back, found out who I was and delivered the worst news I'd ever heard that he had pulled out of the store and a truck was going too fast and it was instant. My husband was now in heaven. How would I tell my kids all the stuff that was rushing through my head? And I won't go through all that, but it was a mess and it was hard. And it was probably the most devastating moment of my entire life. I really didn't know what the next days would entail. And here we were grieving, a grieving family. And God was so gracious. We had people coming from all over the world to come and be with me. As a matter of fact, they said they quit counting at about 1,500 people at the, at, at the we don't call it a funeral. We called it a celebration of life. And, um, but it was, it was a good day. We celebrated his life. But I remember there was one evening that I hit the floor and I just said, God, this is this is not what I want. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, God has big shoulders and you can be very honest with him in your prayer. And, and I told him in that moment, I, I don't want this story. This is not the story I wanted. And um, I said, but God, through tears streaming down my face, hitting the carpet floor, I said, but God, I need, I need you to promise me that you won't let one pain, one tear, one heartache go in vain. I need you to use it for your, for your kingdom, for your glory. Little did I know the following Thursday after the funeral that God would then call me on that. And I woke up that morning to God calling me to go on a Facebook Live. My, my husband had started a daily Devo early in the mornings, 7.30 in the morning. He was giving 10, 15-minute messages to encourage people on their way to work. Little did I know that four days after the funeral, God would be waking me up and telling me to hop on there. I began to argue with him. I was like, God, I don't have the doctorate that my husband had. 
Um, I don't speak. That's not what I do. I'm not gifted in this area, let alone do I have anything to give right now in the middle. I am a grieving wife right now. I have nothing to give God. (laughs) But he was persistent and kind. And he said, I need you to get on that daily Devo. I don't even know what gave me the strength to do it. And to be quite honest, um, if you went to our Facebook site um, called Consumed by the Call Ministries, um, you would see it is a video. It's messy. It's it's ugly tears. And it literally is unplanned. And it is it is me just saying, here's where I'm at. Here's where God's meeting me. Here's Here's where my brokenness is. And here's how God's healing me. That's really all it was. I thought I would turn the camera off. 50 people would watch it and then God would be happy that I, that I obeyed him. Little did I know within less than 24 hours, 34,000 people would watch that video. I was amazed. It's reached over 40,000 now. And, and I, and I remember sitting there going, God, I don't understand. And he said, Francine, he said, people have been watching you and Wade on the top of the mountain, leading a ministry, leading a successful business, having incredible kids. But there are people that are hurting in the world today and they need to know not only where I am on the mountaintops, but where I am in the valleys. God literally took you guys, a widow, a brand new grieving widow, And what little I had, and you guys, it was very little. And he blessed it. And over the next three and a half years, I went live every morning and just shared where we were, what we were struggling with, where God was meeting us, and how he was healing us. For three and a half years, Monday through Friday, 7.30 in the morning, and I was giving from a place that felt empty, that he kept multiplying. And I wouldn't be where I am today, healed, whole, running a thriving coaching business. And all the lives that were changed during that three and a half years, I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for the fact that God said, give when you have nothing to give and watch me multiply it. What is God calling you to do right now that you think, I, I, I don't have enough. There's no way. There's nothing. I have nothing to give. Can I tell you, take that, whatever it is that you do have that you think is nothing, give it to Jesus, let him bless it, watch him hand it back to you and give what you do not have. I'm telling you, just give. And I promise you, you will watch it. Not just multiply, but exponentially multiply because it's who we are. It's our very nature as children of God. I have faith in you. I believe in you and I will believe in you until you can believe in you. So do it. Take it to Jesus. Let him bless it, whatever it is, and then start to give it. I love you, my friends. Thank you for following this podcast. I am amazed already. We're already reaching so many viewers. And um, continue to share us. Can get people to subscribe and be, I'm going to get better and better at this, I promise. Um, as we grow, this 
this too, this very podcast is me just saying yes to God. I'm just giving him my best yes. You do the same. God bless you.